Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So today is October 4th, 2019. Wow. Red October. It's here. It's now. It's happening. It's incredible. Uh, the Democrats are imploding. They're being trolled by... Everybody and their mother. Schiff is sticking to his guns. They've been awarded Pinocchios. I mean, can it get any better than that? I mean, it's Friday. And uh, I'm just going to say, you know, we're expecting some really big news to hit uh, just around the time where a protest, two protests actually, have been planned. It's so incredible, huh? How they pick those dates to kind of suit drops, isn't it? How when we have big news coming out, uh, it just so happens that it's just a coincidence, uh, a coincidence. So it's merely a coincidence that, uh, you know, when we have our FISA IG report dropping on the week commencing the 14th of October. So we're talking in two weeks time, we are going to see the IG report on the FISA. And, uh, it's said to be dropping October 17th, October 18th, and they have a protest organized for the 19th. So my assumption would be that we were pushing this back for the 21st of October. I mean, this October is red like nobody's business. And it's not red for what we know as uh, red October. It's red because the Republicans are winning. This is really setting the tone of 2020. We are winning beyond winning, beyond winning, beyond winning. And, you know, it's pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. I think we should start with um, Kurt Volker, you know, the guy that was there in Berlin when these conversations happened, where the ambassador um, pretty much told the Ukrainians, hey, don't comply with Trump. No need to. No need to comply with Trump. We got this. Trump is going to be impeached. Don't worry about it. No need for it. We'll stall. And she did. Her embassy... Our embassy, the U.S. embassy, that these corrupt clowns had their thumbs and fingers in, were delaying, slow walking, and just basically not issuing visas to the Department of Justice of the Ukraine that was complying with an ongoing criminal investigation. And you heard it here first, guys, two weeks ago. What was going on is an ongoing criminal investigation. We heard Rudy Giuliani say that he started looking into this in 2018. So, again, how is it that he's digging up dirt on his opponent when his opponent didn't throw his hat in the race until late April 2019? It makes absolutely no sense because there is no sense. Do you see what I'm saying? Now the treaty is coming up and they're like, don't look there. Look at us. What we're telling you, this is meddling. Actually, meddling is what Obama did in January of 2016. Meddling is what Obama himself did in January of 2016, reaching out to the Ukrainians himself. Why did Barack Hussein Obama get with the Ukrainians himself? That is the question. So we're going to analyze all that. We're going to talk about Epstein because I had a weird um, phone call come. Uh, there was something, some information, and you know, I've said this before, that even though I am a... Um, 
investigative journalist. And, you know, people think that investigative journalists, their whole job is to just report first. Yeah, it's nice to get the scoop in. I makes you feel good. Hey, look, I found this. But before I report it, I always make sure to let the authorities know. I'll send out emails. I'll make phone calls, file reports, you know. So I can tell you that yesterday I got a response from a certain agency in regards to a report I made in July. And that report, listen to this, had to do with Standard Hotel. Okay, are you getting this? Standard Hotel. Obviously that involves shit, right? Cannibalism, believe it or not, that led me to child pornography that is connected to Epstein. So the fact that they're coming to me five months later means that the person that I referred to, which is none of the names that I mentioned, is most likely either in custody or they have a very big case on them, which tells us that Epstein is heating up like nobody's business. All right, so here's where I want to start today. I want to play the clip of uh, Jim Jordan talking on Hannity about the Volcker testimony. I remember in the morning, right before the testimony, Schiff said that the Republicans are not allowed to have questions and they won't have time. Remember that? So shifting the goalpost again uh, in the middle of the game. So let's take a listen to what he had to say. On dot com, as of Monday, bookstores everywhere. Fox News legal analyst Greg Jarrett. All right. So first, the Democrats got burned yesterday because they were expecting the evidence and the proof and the documents. What they found was evidence that the Ukrainian government worked hand in hand to undermine Trump in the 2016 election. I thought we cared about it. And then you were in the room today. And I hear on a scale of one to ten, it was a 12 in terms of backfiring on the Democrats and blowing up in their face. Tell us. Sean, I hope every American gets a chance to read what took place in that room today. Because when they do, they will see there is no quid pro quo. They will see exactly what President Trump and President Zelensky was going on between these two countries. And they'll see what a good ambassador, what a, what a good diplomat Kurt Volker was, Ambassador Volker, and the people who worked with him, and how they were looking out at, for, the, for the best interests of this country and, frankly, for the best interests of Ukraine. That's what will come through. So I hope, I hope at some point every single American gets to read what took place in that room today. All right. Now, here's the question. There's been a lot of people saying release the transcripts. So this took place today, right? This, it went before Congress today? I hear, yep. by the way, that there's a reason, and it's not the reason the Democrats have been telling us that he left. Is that true? And can we release these transcripts? Can can Adam Schiff get those transcripts from us or Nancy Pelosi <laughs> sign off on releasing the transcripts? Because I'm thinking I'll put them on the air tomorrow night if she releases them. Yep. No, they, they sure can. That That's the, the Adam Schiff's call as the chairman. Uh, but look, look, this whole process, what they try to do, this whole unfair process. Remember, Adam Schiff just, he met with the whistleblower. His staff met with the whistleblower before the complaint was filed. This is the same Adam Schiff who last summer was meeting with Glenn Simpson in Colorado. This is the same Adam Schiff whose staff met with Michael Cohen, the big star witness the Democrats had at the start of this Congress, met with Adam Cohen for 10 hours before he testified in front of our committee. And today, he tried to limit members' ability to ask questions. He made sure that the State Department couldn't have lawyers in the room there when Mr. Volcker was testifying, and he put a limit on the staff we could have. So this is this is just more of this unfair process. I hope well, we do minute. get to I read what's the in transcript. there. Why can't they release it. the transcript? Democrats need to be transparent. Release the transcript. While they're at it, I want 
the Ukraine call transcripts with Biden, and I want the Obama transcripts with the mullahs in Iran and Rohane and, uh, oh, and Vladimir Putin after he got reelected with more flexibility. What did they talk about? Greg Jarrett. Yeah, I agree, but it's not going to happen because the president is the one who has been transparent and right. Democrats are the one ones who have been hiding everything. And, and now, of course, with the complicit media trying to hide the activities of Joe Biden, the president had every right and it's incumbent upon him. If he has some information that a former vice president who's now running for president of the United States committed a corrupt act by misusing his office and conferring uh, a benefit, a billion dollars, to a foreign government in exchange for shutting down an investigation that protected his, his son or, or was going after his son. I mean, that, that's a corrupt act. It's a violation oh, of well, foreign corrupt act. Let's replace the names. Let's Pardon play me? my game. Do, let's, vice President Donald Trump, I know he won't like being demoted, but just for the game's purposes. And Don Jr. becomes Hunter Biden. I sure. think we've been hearing a very different tune. All right, here's what I want to know. Now, uh, what will it take to get the transcript from Mr. Volcker? Uh, Jim Jordan, real quick. It's up to Adam Schiff. I mean, I, I look, like, like you and Greg just said, the president has been transparent here. I hope everyone else can be as transparent and the American people can see for themselves what took place. Okay, let me just tell you, Jim Jordan was smiling throughout the whole time. And so it turns out that Kurt Volker obviously resigned because he didn't, um, be, he wasn't forthcoming with information. Not, I, I don't think he did that because he is a swamp creature. Um, well, no, here's this. I'm very hard on this. You're either, True to yourself and true to your morals and stand by them or you're not. Yeah, his position was kind of like, oh, what do I do? I'll just keep my mouth shut because I'm only a part-time envoy here because that's that's what he was. Um, but it was his obligation to tell. I mean, if you can't stick by that and have that integrity, even though if it's not part of your job scope to go tell on the ambassador, um, you still have to report. But it also works that he resigned because they were like, oh, you know, Volker's on our side. Actually, he's a, co uh, you know, a cooperative witness, I would say, and one that is making the case, um, for Yovanovitch's issues because she's, she's got problems. She's got a lot of problems. She's going through some things as the person. <laughs> she's going through some things. Uh, so it's really important for us to uh, listen to what he also said, that they moved and changed the rules. You don't get to bring so many people. There's only going to be a limited amount of GOPers. Uh, you can't ask questions. You won't have time. You could just sit there. And, you know, if they're so adamant that something happened, be transparent. Show the show the transcript of the conversation that you held in a skiff so nobody would have access to because you weren't sure of him. Because now we're going to have Atkinson and we're going to have Marie Yovanovitch today. And let's see what they have to say. How is she going to explain how she was blocking the probe by not issuing visas? Like I said, the problem that the legal uh, team of the Ukraine had was that they could not comply with Durham's investigation because they could not transmit the information they had. They did not send it by fax. I wouldn't. They wouldn't send it by email. It would be intercepted. And you know what I think annoys the Democrats more is that um, ongoing investigations means you're not privy to that. So this is the whole point. The whole reason they're doing this 
Aside from protecting Biden, which ultimately protects Obama, or again, Obama, is that they want to know what's coming. They want to know what grand juries right now are deliberating, what sealed indictments exist, what people are being arrested. What do they have on them? They're not going to find out. We're not going to tell you. You can strong arm all you want, but you are not going to get it. That is how it goes. That is how it happens. Now, before um, we continue on this matter, I want you guys to listen to President Trump arguing with a reporter over the Ukraine question, as the BBC says it. I call it supersonic smackdown. Take a listen. The question, sir, was what did you want President Zelensky to do about Vice President Biden and his son, Hunter? Are you talking to me? Yeah, it was just a follow-up of what I just asked you, sir. Listen, you ready? We have the president of Finland. Ask him a question. I have one for him. I just wanted to follow up on the one that I asked you, which was, what did you want? Did you hear me? Ask him a question. I I will. I've given you a long answer. Ask this gentleman a question. Don't be rude. No, sir, I don't want to be rude. I just wanted you to have a chance to answer the question that I asked you. I've answered everything. It's a whole hoax. And you know who's playing into the hoax? People like you and the fake news media that we have in this country. And I say in many cases, the corrupt media, because you're corrupt. Much of the media in this country is not just fake, it's corrupt. And you have some very fine people, too. Great journalists, great reporters. But to a large extent, it's corrupt and it's fake. Ask the president of Finland a question, please. My second question to you, sir, is the WTO rule today in favor of the United States, uh, saying that the United States can now impose tariffs on European goods because of illegal subsidies against Airbus. That was a big win for the United States, right? It wasn't you never had wins with other presidents, did you? But we're having a lot of wins at the WTO since I became president. This was a case that started, I think, 10 or 15 years ago. Excuse me. It, Your wins are now because they think I don't like the WTO and they want to make sure I'm happy because all of those countries were ripping off the United States for many years. They know that I'm wise to it. We've had a lot of wins. This I was a $7 billion dollar win. Not bad. But I, I think the so, question is for me. So the me. question, sir, is if you're concerned yeah. that the president will impose those tariffs and the effect that that may have on the economy. Okay, so that was a dumb question because Finland (laughs) doesn't partake in the EEC. I'm just saying. Um, So dumb question. And will it hurt Europe? He can can answer that if he wants to, but still a dumb question. But I love my president because he's right. I don't care when the case was initiated. The fact that it sat for 10 to 15 years is a big deal. The fact that it just sat there and collected dust and no one did anything is a big deal. We're winning. Kind of like the pedo cases. They found all this child porn in 2000, 2005, 2010, 2015, and sat on it. Who's executing? Who is taking it home and over the line? That's President Trump. Now we're winning because he's in office. I want you guys, let's go back because I'm, we're going to start talking about how this Ukraine trap that they fell into is their demise. We've been saying it. They walked right into it. So awesome. I want you guys to listen to Tucker, who I absolutely adore, and how he analyzed how President Trump... President Trump refused to bow down to the intelligence community. Remember, it was um, Obama 
and it was Chuck Schumer that have said before that um, you don't mess with the intelligence community. It was Schumer that said six ways from Sunday, right? Take a listen. Tucker Carlson tonight. Looking back, January of 2017 seems like another age. So much has happened in the years since then. But in other ways, not that much has changed at all. Donald Trump had not even taken the oath of office yet. But by the first week of the new year of 2017, in case you don't remember, permanent Washington had already committed to destroying his presidency. And Trump seemed to know it. A little after 8 p.m. on the night of January 3rd, 2017, the president-elect wrote a tweet. He took a veiled dig at U.S. intelligence agencies for their handling of the then-newly-initiated Russia investigation. At pretty much the same moment, Senator Chuck Schumer of New York was arriving at MSNBC's Midtown Manhattan studios. He went to the set, and the anchor of the show he was on that night, Rachel Maddow, pulled up Trump's tweet on a screen, live on TV, and asked Chuck Schumer to comment on that tweet. Now, Schumer hadn't seen the tweet before, of course. He couldn't have known it was coming. For one of the most calculating politicians in Washington, it was a rare, unscripted moment. And so for the first time in a long time, Chuck Schumer just went with the unvarnished truth. Watch what he said. Let me tell you, you take on the intelligence community. They have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. So even for a practical, supposedly hard-nosed businessman, he's being really dumb to do this. Okay, so remember, we talked about this last week. It's great that I can see that the mainstream media is catching up to all of us, right, guys? Because this is the news. This is where you see how it happened. These conversations, I've been having them with the public, with every one of you, uh, either over the airwaves for the past almost year. Oh, wow, I have an anniversary coming up November 6th. That's going to be awesome. One year on Red State. And before that, it's through publications, through Twitter, and through other means that you may have interacted with me and not known it's me. Uh, this has all been out there. It's important that we remember that the one thing that um, corruption does is that it is a creature of comfort and it is not ashamed. They have no shame. So Schumer went on to say he didn't know exactly what the spy agencies would do to Donald Trump as punishment for being dumb enough to criticize them in public. But he warned, and this is a verbatim quote, from what I am told, they are very upset about how he has treated them and talked about them, end quote. Very upset. Got it? There's no mistaking what that was. That's a threat issued on live television with grave seriousness by a politician who's been in Washington long enough to know that it's absolutely real. In the end, Donald Trump ignored it, or more likely he decided to defy it. Day after day, he gave the finger to the permanent Washington establishment, often on Twitter, sometimes at press conferences, but always with unmistakable relish. Trump acted like a man who'd won an election in a democratic country. He seemed to feel free to say exactly what he really thought. He didn't appear to believe that the intelligence agencies had veto power over his agenda. In a thousand different ways, the new president refused to bow. And for that crime, more than any other crime, he was punished most recently by the manufactured Ukraine scandal. The intel world, meanwhile, has become increasingly defiant. Just yesterday, former CIA director John Brennan expressed outrage that anyone would dare impose oversight on the intelligence agencies that secretly oversee our lives. 
I'm supposedly going to be interviewed by Mr. Durham um, mm -hmm. as part of this non-investigation. I remember William Barr, you know, when he was testifying in front of Congress, he said he, he didn't understand the predication of the counterintelligence investigation that was launched into Russia's interference in the 2016 election. I don't understand the predication of this worldwide effort to try to uncover dirt, either real or imagined, that would discredit that investigation in 2016 into, into Russian interference. John Brennan is a naked partisan, and he's a liar. He's acted in ways that would have shocked and horrified previous CIA directors, and that's saying a lot. But John Brennan is not ashamed. Far from it. He's proud. And so are his many acolytes in Washington. Phil Mudd is a former CIA employee. Like so many partisans from intelligence world, he's now a contributor at CNN. Last night, Mudd sent an on-air warning to the president and his lawyer. Back off or prepare to get hurt. I spent a lot of time in government. There are State Department officials who will testify, intel guys, DOD, Department of Defense people. All of us are sort of a brotherhood and sisterhood. Rudy Giuliani parachutes in from Mars. The people who will testify are going to look at him, including State Department officials, and say, I don't have to protect that guy. He didn't operate by the rules. He didn't do what you're supposed to do in government. I suspect he's worried about what the Congress will do. If I were him... I'd be worried about whether people in government stick a shiv in his back. He's in trouble. Huh. So it's a brotherhood, says Phil Mudd, the CIA, a brotherhood that will stab you to death if you disobey. What Phil Mudd is describing is not a conventional government agency. It's nothing like what most of us imagine when we think of what Washington is doing on our behalf. The CIA of John Brennan and Phil Mudd does not exist for our benefit. It exists solely for the benefit of the people who work there. We pay for the whole thing, but they do what they want, and they punish anyone who criticizes them. They brag about that. Now, that's scary, of course. It's a perversion of democracy. It's exactly what the people who created the CIA feared most. But it's also, if we're going to be honest, it's annoying. Because for all of the hype, the CIA, in the end, isn't even very good at its job. Now, remember, this is an intelligence agency. So it's fair to judge their performance against whether or not they predicted crucial events over the past 70 years. And again and again, they didn't. The CIA, for example, was shocked by the Korean War. It didn't predict the Soviet atomic bomb. Not a small thing. It missed the Cuban Missile Crisis and the 1973 Arab-Israeli War. It spent decades trying to bring down Fidel Castro to kill Fidel Castro. So naturally, his regime never fell. Castro lived into his 90s. Meanwhile, the CIA spent decades propping up the Shah of Iran, so naturally he tumbled from power. They didn't even provide a warning before that happened because they had no idea it was going to happen. When the Iron Curtain finally fell in 1989, the CIA was completely blindsided by it. They thought they had just predicted, in fact, the Soviet Union was as strong as ever. And things didn't get better after that. The CIA had no idea that Saddam Hussein planned to invade Kuwait the next year in 1990. They were totally surprised by India's atomic bomb test eight years later. Yeah, they didn't know that uh, Saddam Hussein was invading Kuwait, but George Bush Jr. knew because he sold his investments in Bahrain just a couple weeks beforehand and made bank because the stocks tanked right after Saddam Hussein invaded. They didn't know.
And remember, it was months ago that we talked about it here, let me not say almost a year ago, that I said in the end, Barack Hussein Obama will be impeached and we will gut and and dissolve the Central Clown Agency. I said that. The Clown Agency will be no more. And I did see uh, somewhere on Twitter floating around, um, one of my listeners, Terry, uh, sent me uh, some information where someone said that Truman warned us about the CIA. But here's the thing. I don't believe it at all because he was the one that was vice president. Okay. When we created the OSS, I told you about the OSS yesterday, that Tesla was the mind of to have a point of where intelligence is collected, discussed, and analyzed. And he was vice president at the time, and then when he became president, isn't that the way corruption always works? First their vice president, then president, right? He dissolved the OSS in 1945 and rebuilt it as the Central Intelligence Agency. And Terry, like many, may say, touche, it may be indeed that he had buyer's remorse. But you created the monster. We've always done it. We nabbed the Nazi that created the A-bomb for us, didn't we? Mm. They knew. They always knew. I'll see you all in just a bit. Welcome back to the Tory Says Show, guys. Every Friday seems to be Fire Friday, but I think we need to rename it to Popcorn Friday now. Now it's not about setting fires. The fire's on and it's roaring. And the thing about information wars is that we won. Because right now everything we've been saying in the shadows, everything you've been listening to me talk about that, uh, you know, has even been discussed on other means like the cue board that is now gone, we do realize now that we are all saying the same thing. Finally, it's mainstream. It's no longer in the shadow, no longer hiding on the Chan board. It's out in the open. How good does that feel? Feels like this weight is lifted off of us and we're like, all right, now I get it. Yep, I was frustrated. Yep, they were walking around, but I see it. I see it now. And I have to tell you guys, just like on on, on a note from me, uh, I am challenged when I want to uh, put things on paper, when I want to write something. I say it again and again, and, you know, no one would believe <laughs> that, you know, I am, you know, linguistically trained because my writing is horrific. You want grammar? Oh, my God. I dict- I write like I speak, okay? Um If I could, there would be ums and okays in there. I am so grateful to have, you know, obviously when I write for publications, uh, my articles are heavily, heavily edited, uh, heavily because it's literally I write as I speak and it's very important to immortalize things in writing too, because, um, yeah, obviously now I have the word and the sound where people can hear it, but immortalizing it. So that way you can go back and reference it, see the pictures, see the documents makes uh, more of a case and helps every person that opens up one of my articles, either that be through whatever, um, publication I put it through that you can go back and reference it. So you can have, 
all the information and make a defor- a, a, an, an informed decision in your mind of what you believe is happening, where you stand. This is why as citizens we involve ourselves in this. Cause we're, but I have to say, out of almost every single editor I've worked with, us, you know, uh, there's two. Well, one is passed, so I'm not even going to mention them. There's more. There's two that stand out that are great investigative journalists, great writers, and that's Haley Kennington. Boy, she lives in my head. She is such a great writer. And I'll tell you guys, I am one of the most neediest people. Hey, do you like this? Do you think this is okay? Okay, thanks. So amazing um, that even at the age of 40, right, I'm learning how to write again. Um, and Patrick Halley, of course, the, the guy's a genius. Um, I just have to say that it is something that I am so grateful for because it is a uh, group product, Whatever is put out there by every single investigative journalist, every citizen journalist, every person that puts out a tweet, you know, comes from a different walk of life. You wear different shoes than I, socks, underwear. You eat different things. Your body is fueled with different things. We have different ailments, right? Different family situations, right? So we all have different perspectives. And it is so awesome when you see that people getting together for one common goal, which is to save our nation in respects to our freedom. To, to respect and uphold our God-given right of freedom. It's so amazing. I just wanted to say that. Like, guys, if you're not following Kennington Says, you must. This woman is an incredible writer, an incredible er- editor for uh, Loomer.com. I'm just telling you, she is amazing. Uh, on that note, like I said, everybody has their own experiences and can tell you and give you insight, you know, to things differently. Kind of like if your car's not working, right? Uh, and it's chugging and it's making a sound. You're like, oh, it's doing the, the, the sound. A, a person that knows cars will give you better insight to that sound. Well, I'm going to give you insight on certain sound right now. I'm going to play a clip. This clip is an interview CNN, oh, MSNBC had with John Brennan. So I'm going to give you insight from being his subordinate. Well, I wouldn't say his subordinate per se. Can't say that. Let's just say coworker. How's that? Being his coworker. His coworker that stood really tall at five foot nothing. Take a listen. Do you, do you understand a motive? I, I don't. And I'm supposedly going to be interviewed by Mr. Durham um, as part of this non-investigation. So, first of all, uh, body language ghost, uh, if you're a fan and you're listening, I would totally love you to analyze this. Because uh, I don't know if you guys follow her on YouTube. I totally love her analysis. Totally awesome. Um, you know, I don't agree with all of it, I have to say. Because <clears throat> I guess all of us that read people use and draw from our own experience to interpret, but she's like 99.99% correct most of the time. This one is a great analysis watching it. But um, John Brennan, first of all, he did his high-pitched voice and he bobbed his head back. Now, he's done that twice to me in my lifetime. And that's the time when he is upset that he got caught. You know how people, when they get caught doing something they shouldn't be doing, They are scared. 
And they're not sorry. They're just scared and they're upset they got caught. This is the voice. He gets this high pitched voice and he looks like, um, how do you call it? Very limp wristed. There we go. He's <laughs> limp wristed. Um, and I'll retweet this video once I play it. Uh, so you can listen. He called this a non-investigation. Remember, non-investigation. He's stressed that. That Durham is interviewing him for a non-investigation. I remember William Barr, you know, when he was testifying in front of Congress, he said he, he didn't understand the predication of the counterintelligence investigation that was launched into Russia's interference in the 2016 election. I don't understand the predication of this worldwide effort to try to uncover dirt, either real or imagined, that would discredit that investigation in 2016. What? So he's like, well, William Barr told us that he didn't understand why this Russia investigation happened. Well, wasn't it John Brennan that said that our president is a Russian spy? Huh, John? I mean, you you worked APAC, Right. You work the EU, you know who and what is a Russian spy. I mean, Adam Schiff does too. He convinced the world that a guy that told on you guys, guy that told on the intelligence community was free and clear from court and Schiff made him out to be a double agent for Russia when he was an honest intelligence official. So again, John here is like, well, I don't know what he's talking about, but mobilizing all the world, you know, to dig up dirt and do, you mean like what you did on something that may, or maybe just an imagination. Yeah. Cause it's not a crime. None of that. I mean, you know, sold America's seat, made money off of that meddled with another country's, you know, cabinet, totally not corrupt into Russian interference. You know, on one hand, the Obama administration is crucified for not doing enough. Mm -hmm. And now they're looking for what we might have done in order to try to understand better and to prevent the Russian interference. Okay, so here's what he's telling you. He's not talking about the investigation in the Ukraine. Okay? He's talking about this. Look, uh, Manafort's case uh, is one of the cases that hurts me a lot. I can explain why. Um, when uh, we discovered first in May 2016 this Black Ledger uh, uh, list, right? Uh, I ordered the detectives not to, to give nothing to the mass media in considering this case. Instead, they broke in my order and they published themselves uh, this uh, one or two pages of this Black Ledger right. during Paul Manafort. When I asked them why did they do it, they uh, they couldn't explain me, and for me it was a first uh, well first call that something is going wrong, and there is some external influence in this case, and there is some uh, some other interest in this case, not only in the, the interest of investigation and fair trial. Okay, so let me tell you um, what this was all about. So this was the chief of anti-corruption in the Ukraine giving an interview saying that this blacklist ledger, um, it was in 2016 that um, the Obama administration uh, gathered and confirmed multiple people and memos that was brought together by Ukraine's top corruption prosecutors. He really struggled with the Manafort thing when he saw things come afterwards to fruition because 
he smelled a rat. And he said, look, this isn't going to be released because we can't verify it. So this is an interview that was done by Solomon uh, back in uh, over two years ago. And so the the funny thing is, is that this agenda that they had suggested, uh, you know, when uh, the Obama administration flew out to the Ukraine to discuss these things in January, the purpose was training and coordination. And during these meetings, uh, there were two objectives within this meeting. One was about Vice uh, President uh, Joe Biden at the time, him and his family, and one that involved a lobbying firm uh, that was then closely supposedly linked to candidate Trump. So remember, he wasn't the um, nominated candidate in January 2016. This was their pre-work. And you know why it was their pre-work? Because the clown agency knew that Trump was going to, in every single reality, Let's pretend that the clown agency has access to technology that's based on the kind of math stuff I do, where you can see different realities, uh, you know, timelines. So if you get out of the door and you go right, this might happen. And if you cross the street, this might happen or this might happen or this might, you know, realities. Well, in every single reality... In December of 2015, they realized Trump was going to be president. And so they thought we can fix the elections rigum like this. And if we successfully do it, then Trump is not president. If we do this, then Trump is not president. If we do this, then Trump is not president. Going back and forth, uh, you know, future, past, future, past, future, past, to see remedies. This was a fallback plan uh, let's create this narrative. Let's have it ready to deploy because this will at least mitigate if he does get elected. We will move forward. So Nazar Kolontinsky, who was the Ukraine's chief anti-corruption guy, told them, you are not releasing any of this information. You are not sending it to anyone. You are not talking with anyone because this is not validated. Now, Talizenko, who no longer, uh, you know, works in that area, uh, <laughs> says that he couldn't remember if Manafort was mentioned in the 2016 meeting. And we have to remember that the FBI, during the Manafort case, they shut that down really quick without charging Manafort. Remember that? Remember how they shut it down really, really quick? And instead, they were like, yo, 30 years ago, you said that this computer depreciated. Um, yeah. And 20 years ago, you did this. And uh, to be honest, all of us, if someone takes uh, a scope and puts it up and gives us the largest colonoscopy, all of us have done something like that. So they held him accountable for this. But what needs to be said is that the national, the Ukraine's National Anti-Corruption Bureau was asked if they could help locate evidence about the party of regions payments and it's dealing with Americans, which is something very specific. Now, people that, um, you know, work for the NSC, the DOJ and the FBI, obviously, um, will never comment on that. This is an ongoing investigation, but Susan Rice, you know, 
is in the center of this. No wonder she's coming out because she's in a lot of trouble. See, again, when you think you are completely protected, you feel okay. It's kind of like when you know that you're alone in the house, right? And you're, you have your privacy and that no one's going to intrude on you. You walk around naked, right? You're just like, yeah, whatever. And if you have a big privacy fence, you'll probably walk around naked in your backyard too. Now imagine if you're in a very hostile place and, and you want to walk around in the street. If you're, uh, you know, surrounded by bodyguards, you'll walk around without fear and you'll hold your shoulders up and your head up and walk around and even whistle a tune, right? Cause you're comfortable and, uh, you won't feel like you have to guard your back. <laughs> this is where their downfall is. Their cockiness and their, uh, inability to, to, to give good people credit was their downfall. Was their downfall is their downfall. Now, I urge you after I tweet this out during the break to watch this video because his body language, his breathing pattern, his smiling pattern indicates fear. And this is the overcompensation of fear. And he says, oh, the Obama administration has been crucified enough. Nope. They're getting impeached. And I do agree. It's not just that Trump doesn't care about Russian interference. I think he is hoping that he's going to get it because he knows that Russia interfered on his behalf. And I think as he sees his political fortunes dwindling, I think he really is hoping that his pal Vladimir is going to come through once again and help him get elected in 2020 if he's going to be in office by then. Of course, the CNN, uh, the uh, the MSNBC correspondent is nodding like, yes, of course he does. Russia, really? They're such our friends? Let me just demonstrate something about Russia. Take a listen to this. Our top story this hour, Iranian President Hassan Rouhani now backing a plan by the French to restart talks with the United States. But can this French initiative serve as an acceptable base for a second try at negotiations? Oops, wrong clip. That's for Iran, and that's next week. But, yeah, here we go. We need the Putin clip. There we go. I think this is it. This could mean for Russia and the global economy. Oops. I am by a tap. Okay. Thank you. All right. So it's a unique type of gold rush that's happening in Russia right now. The country announced that it's cutting its U.S. currency share in half from its international reserves in one year. So instead, Moscow, they are opting to increase gold one and its euro holdings. So to discuss what this could mean for Russia and the global economy, I am joined by Boom Bust co-host and business extraordinaire Christy I. Thanks so much for kind of talking us through this. So. Okay, did you guys hear that? Uh, I'll replay that. I just want you to listen because we talked about this in November of 2018. Take a listen. Pay attention. It's U.S. currency share in half from its international reserves in one year. So instead, Moscow, they are opting to increase gold one and its euro. Oh, gold, yuan, and euro. Wait, 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 wait. What was that? No longer trading in dollar, but they're trading in. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Say it. <laughs> Say it with me, guys, and crack a smile. Gold. Gold standard is here. This is how it works. Speaking of Russia, 
Because Russia already knows what the plan is. Because Europe already knows what the plan is. Because China already knows what the plan is. They all know what the remedy is. We have the Federal Reserve Bank sitting in the United States of America on our soil, and it is considered public property. No, it's not. It's private. They issue fake money. They inflate things. Fake, 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 fake. And they determine the fate of every single nation. How do you remedy this? Tangible assets. Cow for potatoes. Gold for that coffee at Starbucks. The gold standard is coming. Hmm, what do you know? No more dollar. We're phasing out, says Russia. Because guess what? That's what's going to happen. Did I not tell you that one day... It's just going to be like, yeah, so that just the way they flipped it from gold to fiat is going to be that Christmas Eve where they sign that letter while everyone is waiting for Santa to drop presents, eat the cookies and drink the milk, <laughs> wake up the next day and it's like, no dala dala is gold. And it's okay because it's going to be awesome for us. It's going to suck for the rest of the world and this gold rush you see china doing it you see russia doing it and the european union is really trying to catch up they're cashing in on that debt like crazy hey greece you owe us money open up your gold vaults yeah so you can't have that hey italy you're broke give us money give us all your gold in your vaults yeah you can't have that so there is a rush Mm -hmm. russian agent brennan i think not The only Russian agent is you. What Russia is supposed to represent as a big threat is our actual clown agency. The one you ran, the one Clapper ran, the one all of you clowns ran. And, you know, I think it's time, uh, you know, we remember and take a trip down memory, memory lane, actually. Um, and remember how, uh, this was actually talked about before. This was actually talked about before. And I am going to pull that clip up right now so you can hear it. Uh, it's uh, an Obama appointee that talked about impeachment in 2016. We do have a strong system of checks and balances. And actually, if Donald Trump were elected, I believe he'd be impeached pretty quickly or somebody else would have to take over government. And I'm n- not even joking. We do have a strong system of checks and balances. And actually, if Donald Trump were elected, I believe he'd be impeached pretty quickly or somebody else would have to take over government. And I'm not even joking. We do have a strong system of checks and balances. And actually, I'm sorry that I played it a few times. We have to listen to it because she's foreign department, uh, a defense department person. We, um, what, what, what falls into the defense department? What the Department of Defense is supposed to be, um, independent, right? It's one of the most non-compromised, right? But the NSA falls in there too. (laughs) I just thought I'd tell you that because it's really interesting how they were telling us what they were doing. This, uh, coup 
is nothing new. It's happened over and over and over again throughout time. Like I said, they were so butthurt. We UKs'd it, right? In 1776, with that insane person, George Washington said, nope, yes, the crown gives us security. Yes, the crown gives us stable trade. Yes, the crown gives us order and law, but it only benefits the few, not the many. And we are a nation of the people. And so that began the conversation where the richest fought to maintain themselves in that union and where the poorest who had really nothing to lose which was the majority of them said, you know what? Let's give it a shot. I'm ready. You ready? Yep. And it was signed on July 4th, 1776. And just so you know, at that time, those clowns began their plan. They decided with technology moving so quickly at the time in the 1700s, of course, because now they were traveling the world with boats and that was a big deal. They decided we got to plan this out. We got to make the people want to be in a union. We got to make the people want to be ruled. We need to show them how discombobulated a country is without a leader to tell them what's best for them. You know, that's uh, what has to happen. You know, we need to do this. So they together got together and planned it. And they planned it and they passed it on throughout their little secret society to train and groom the next one and the next one and the next one. And even some of those signatures that were on that Declaration of Independence were naysayers. What we like to call rhinos now to, you know, refer to conservatives that are fake, like Hoven or Thune. That is what we had then, too. Right. We had those clowns back then. All those signatures. There were a few that were butt hurt. It was her turn type butt hurt. The ones that hated George Washington the one that called him crazy for wanting to leave stability and un- from under the skirt of the queen or the king. Those idiots. They were smart. Right. But they're still idiots. Because they underestimated good. And what they did was, they made you not see evil. And it was only after the Declaration of Independence that hangings in the town square, disemboweling people in the town square, slavery started to phase out. Because good does not allow evil to fester. Good does not applaud evil deeds or things that are just not human. We'll pick this up right after the short break. But keep in mind, the first crazy person that tried to free us was George Washington. And if you think the swamp just came up with the bushes, well wrong. Some of those signatures on that Declaration of Independence. I mean, if I had a time machine, I would have been back there watching it. And of course, I'd be taking names. (laughs) See you all in just a bit. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So uh, in the previous hour, 
we kind of showcase how all the truth is coming out of the shadows. All the spot on predictions by many people around cyberspace have come to fruition. Gold standard is on its way. The CIA being dissolved is on its way. People being called to the carpet like nobody's business on its way. I mean, can it get better than that? Red October trick or treats. I think we're going to be giving a lot of treats for their tricks. You know, uh, we're going to see so much uh, come out. It's going to be incredible. I want you guys to listen to what Hillary Clinton advised President Trump. She advised him because he needs her advisement. Take a listen. I think what many in the Nixon White House and administration concluded was the right thing to do was tell the truth. Now, tell the truth. And that would be advice that should be given to anybody caught up in this because it's clear that the president has uh, made a series of decisions to benefit himself. Wait wait a minute. She's saying that tell the truth. She breaks out in a rash with even the idea of speaking the truth. And she's going to dish that advice and say, you know, I don't really do this. Ever, but you should. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks, Hillary. You can save that for whatever uh, tribunal you're going through right now. We're good. We are really good, aren't we, guys? This is what you need to be. You know, so many people get so sad. But again, there's a plan. There's a time. And you've been knowing about it for a very long time because whatever's been said in the past is now coming to fruition in the future. Euro holdings. So to discuss what this could mean for Russia and the global economy, I am joined by Boombust co-host and business extraordinaire Christy I. Thanks so much for kind of talking us through this. So in the past 10 years, Christy, Russia has quadrupled its billion reserves and it's continuing to stock up on gold. It's a clear sign that, you know, Russia is kind of breaking away from its reliance on the almighty U.S. dollar. But can it completely cut itself off from U.S. currency altogether? I don't think Russia or any country can completely cut itself off from the U.S. dollar as long as the U.S. dollar remains the dominant reserve currency. However, its power as a reserve currency is waning right now, and a lot of it is actually coming from Trump's protectionism measures. Before, in the past, a lot of his sanctions and measures, those were actually approved by the allied community. It was approved by everyone. However, in the most recently, in his manners, he has actually kind of alienated the entire group. All of his measures were done unilaterally. So because of this, a lot of countries are looking at this and saying that what happens if the U.S. turns their back on us? What happens if we become public enemy number one? So because of this, this is actually bolstering Putin's... (laughs) See what they say? Oh, what happens if he turns it back on us? You mean what happens when he drops the fiat currency and we need to fix it? But for some reason, the EU, you know, even though they're creating their synthetic homogenous currency in the background, right... They had that meeting in Montana talking about it. Um, think that, no, 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 President Trump's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. He's not going to be allowed to do it. But he's getting the go-ahead from world leaders, right? Because leaders are the ones that take control of their own nations. Leaders like President Xi, maybe a communist, but still a leader. Abe, maybe a weird socialist type democracy, still kind of semi-communism riff of Japan, but still a leader. We can't count the EU as leaders because 
is a group of people, right? It's not one. The crown, the queen, I mean, she has the ultimate say. So, and the EU is actually run by royalty. So I guess, hmm. Depends. The monarchs think that they've got it in control because they own a lot of these nations, own a lot of land. So we'll see how this pans out. But what we can see is panic. And that's the good stuff. Panic is good stuff. Panic, you know, is uh, what gives us a little bit of adrenaline to move, right? Now, I want to play the beginning of Fox and Friends this morning. Okay? Just the beginning. I want you to listen to their parlay. You need tequila with right. a taco, right? I think but it's separate. If you're celebrating both Vodka Day and Manufacturing Day, can I suggest you manufacture, then you have the vodka. Uh, and I also would like to add that uh, at the last minute when I saw the weather, I tried to book mm-hmm. a band like it was a summer concert series because that's how hot it is. I refuse to admit it's fall when it continues to be humid like this. It's raining outside. I know, but it's We can't nice. have a band when it's raining. Nice. Right. But we have, uh, no, the band stays dry. It's the what people that get wet. What did you do differently? Did you get a haircut? Uh, four days ago. Thank good. you very, thank you very much. And I'm That's washing normally it. Normally the man doesn't, right. doesn't notice that right. I did something different. A lot of times we go over this later. stuff in the break. That's all. <laughs> There's anyway. so much to get to this oh, morning. Oh, man, let's man. start. Okay, That's President right. Trump is calling the Democrat bluff on impeachment. All right, today the White House is expected to send a letter saying he won't cooperate with the inquiry until Speaker Nancy Pelosi holds a formal vote. Griff Jenkins is live in Washington, D.C. So, Griff, essentially what the White House is doing is uh, the president is daring Nancy Pelosi. Come on, let's see you have a vote. You want to have this? Let's have a vote. That's certainly one way to put it, Steve. Ainsley and Brian, good morning. Uh, Today is the deadline the House gave Secretary Pompeo to turn over those documents or risk obstructing justice. So, as you mentioned, White House isn't going to play ball. They're going to send a letter to Speaker Pelosi refusing to comply until she takes his formal vote. Now, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy already sent a similar letter demanding a vote, writing this. This complete lack of a balanced investigative process underscores that there is no legitimate search for truth here. Merely a political messaging campaign, Speaker Pelosi rejected that, writing back that there's no constitutional requirement or House precedent for such a vote. And all this comes after we learned yesterday that former Ukrainian uh, Special Envoy Kurt Volker testified for more than nine hours behind closed doors. But the big news there was Republicans sounding off afterwards at how much it did not produce. Nothing that coincides with what the Democrats are saying with their whole impeachment narrative. Any allegation that uh, President Trump was trying to get President Zelensky to manufacture dirt on the Bidens is just, uh, it's just not true. Meanwhile, thanks to our Mike Emanuel, we are learning that senior diplomats, you see him here, discussed the administration's suspension of military aid via text. There's Ukrainian Ambassador Bill Taylor, who was texting Gordon Sunland, the U.S. ambassador to the EU. Now, Bill writes, I think it's crazy to withhold security assistance for help with the political campaign. But Sunland responded, saying, Bill, I believe you are incorrect about President Trump's intentions. The president has been crystal clear, no quid pro quos of any kind. Unclear if either ambassador will be called to testify someone who ha huh. so let's just um uh sit on this just for a second let's just take a look at this so first of all they told pelosi all right girl put your money where your mouth is because you know now everyone's like oh paul pelosi was you know in the ukraine in 2017 we already knew that he was there just trying to see what's going on because he knew that is the source of everything. That is where a lot can happen and come out and impeach Obama. That is where everything happened in the shadows. That is everything and everyone. That's why he was there. Come on, guys.
was. He's, he didn't do things like Hunter Biden. He was in NRG before. You know, a lot of people want to make this a big deal. He's stupid. Pelosi's dumb. You know, it's a nothing burger. Her son being there, though, as, uh, you know, she's then getting Speaker of the House, because she wasn't Speaker of the House at the time. Come on, guys. Um, you know, he has always dabbled in these things since... Uh, you know, he's done a lot of things like this. So let's put it that way. But it's not like Pelosi can really sell her office without someone else approving it. So I think he was just slotted in to look. But here you can see uh, Bill Taylor is, is a problem. It's a very, very big problem. And he put that in writing so that he can amp the narrative. This is a big deal. Good job on Gordon for coming out on it and saying, what are you talking about? Let's talk about this withholding of aid. See, we withhold aid all the time. Didn't we withhold aid from Mexico and Honduras and Ecuador? Dude, you don't fix those caravans. I'm not giving you my taxpayer dollars to help you feed them. Hey, Ukraine, you got a corruption problem. You just got elected. You need it fixing. And it turns out USAID is aiding that corruption via George Soros. I'm cutting that out. I can give you anti-tank uh, missiles instead of beds and pillows like Obama. And I'm giving you all that because you're not getting any money because we don't know where that money's going. It goes in there and it's a black hole, you know, and there's a web page that George Soros had the kingdom of the Netherlands built for him. I mean, uh, come on, guys, seriously. Of course, there's no quid pro quo. There's like, yo, this money is being laundered and I don't know who's getting it. And until you fix it, you're not getting any. That's basically what happened. So here we are. Get that vote going because they did already do that vote thing. So she's got to answer. Yep. We're going to vote to proceed with impeachment or they're going to be like, okay, we're not going to impeach him. There's not enough, you know, and say something. So (laughs) it's time to come to the carpet, Pelosi, and she's not liking it. No one is because this mean Adam Schiff, Nadler, Cummings, all of them under the bus along with Pelosi. And, you know, this recycled information about Paul Pelosi just makes it more interesting, even though it is a nothing burger. I'm telling you it's a nothing burger. I mean, everybody and their mother who is part of the swamp had their kids do stuff. Okay? Because that list from, you know, Mitt Romney and Obama, I mean, you might even see that, you know, Obama's girls probably have shares in Ukrainian gas companies or bank accounts at Deutsche Bank, just saying. You know, those things are all there. The corruption is so far, wide, and deep. I mean, come on. It's like a black hole. It just gets sucked up. There is so much. So what you need to do is remove the people that master this black hole, that uh, operate this black hole, that keep it swirling, that keep it deep, that keep it dark. The minute you remove the people that have the lights off, when the lights go on, that black hole is like, whoa, okay, dump truck anyone? That's how it's going to be. So right now we're winning, relax. You know, but at the same time, we do have a house that is adamant to remove our rights to protect ourselves from them. Uh, that starts with the Second Amendment. And I would like you to listen to testimony from a retired police officer and what she tells the Democrats. It's like, well, what they all of them tell the Democrats, the good, the bad and the ugly. Take a listen. 
responsible gun owners, and please don't legislate the 150 million people just like me into being criminals. Like, has almost it has happened. You've already done it. The uh, legislation on bump stocks. I was a bump stock owner, and I had to make a decision: be, do I become a felon, or do I comply? And like that gentleman that just got escorted out, um, I will not comply with with the assault weapons ban. Um, my name is Diana Muller, and I'm an ordinary American, one who has had different life experiences that bring me here today as a dissenter of any new gun control laws, including the assault weapons ban. After 22 years as a police officer with assignments that included patrols, street crimes, gangs, and narcotics, I retired to focus on a second career as a professional shooter, and I've had the honor to represent our country on an international stage. Four years ago, I came to this town as a tourist, and during a haphazard meeting with my congressman, I asked if there was anything I should be doing to dispel the information about guns and gun owners that's running rampant on Capitol Hill. From there, the D.C. Project was born, an educational effort, educational and nonpartisan effort of 50 women, one from every state, meeting their legislators as gun owners and Second Amendment supporters. We are as diverse as any cross-section of America. Many of our women, like victims of these mass public murders, have endured unspeakable violence themselves or lost loved ones. Their stories are similar to Kate Nixon's. It was reported that Kate knew her co-worker was unstable and felt that he would shoot up the place. Her husband encouraged her to take a pistol to work, but she didn't want to break the rules. She followed the policy that was supposed to keep her safe, a gun-free zone, and she was murdered the next day in the Virginia Beach tragedy. Okay, so she is a former police officer. She said, come and get it, right? That is what she said, because this is the truth. They are trying to disarm us, and not so much to avoid tragedies, because mass murders don't just happen all the time. And unbeknownst to many, people are actually more good than evil, and uh, we are many, they are few. The whole reason of the disarmament is to... Remove your right to protect yourself from them. That's it, from them. And that is their plan. And I can't fault them because if I was them, I'd do the same thing. Now, we need to talk about the best troll of LaRouche ever to AOC, which AOC was like, it's better to be a whack job than, you know, a criminal, you know, she said to President Trump. <laughs> I want you guys to listen to how, you know, AOC decided to address her district. Just listen. I mean, can we, like, we have to step back and acknowledge how bad inequality has become in America today that we can name specific families that own our democracy right now. If you're Clinton, Biden, Bush, Obama, big tech. I mean, yeah, she's right. But here's the other names she's going to mention that have been around for the while. Rothschild, Soros. Will she mention like who has power in America? The Mercers, the Waltons, the Koch brothers, it's like the fact that you can name individuals that run our society tells us. 
She missed the memo that David Koch died, right? Everything about America and our economy, and you can call it late-stage capitalism, you can call it plutocracy, I don't care what you call it, that is the state of our economy today. And, like, that's, that's all of it in a nutshell. The fact that we can say which family owns the Senate and which family owns certain areas of public policy. Pelosi, Biden, Obama, Bush, come on, they're all your friends, you know it. And, you know, the dead cock <laughs> Soros, you know, the guy that funds you, <laughs> that, that stuff. I just have to say that, you know, uh, some of the times when I see videos like this put out, I love to read the comments. Sometimes I'm just there for the comments just to see. And the best comment on this thread was MABA, M-A-B-A, make Alexandria bartend again. Okay, she's totally missed the mark, um, but she uh, resonates and she shows the world uh, exactly um, what she stands for and uh, the most uh, weirdest and best troll ever that I've ever seen that's incredible and she was nodding to it like yeah I kind of think that's right is uh, the eating babies I mean why stop at cannibalism right we could eat babies take a listen is there no volume on this mm, it's not playing on this let's see let me just try this again because you know remember they said that we should be eating our dead um now (laughs) oh larouche is awesome it was the best troll ever because uh, you know i was thinking wow that person saying it is so awesome like how did they keep it straight it's the best troll ever and she was nodding she was nodding throughout the video like yeah you're right babies do give a big carbon footprint take a listen because of the climate crisis we only have a few months left i love that you support the green deal but it's not getting you know getting rid of fossil fuel is not going to solve the problem fast enough a swedish professor saying you know we can eat dead people but that's not fast enough so i think your next uh, campaign slogan has to be this we got to start eating babies we don't have enough time. There's too much CO2. All of you, you're, you, you know, you're a pollutant. Too much CO2. We have to start now. Please, you are so great. I'm so happy that you're really supporting the Green Deal, but it's not enough. You know, even if we would bomb Russia, we still have too many people, too much pollution. So we have to get rid of the babies. That's a big problem. Just stopping having babies is not enough. We need to eat the babies. And this is very serious. Please give a response. No, thank you. Thank you. We'll go ahead. Um, Okay. No, we'll we'll go ahead. It's so no no no. Yeah no. Thank you. So I think um. Yeah no so. One of the things that's very important to us is that we need to treat the climate crisis with the urgency <laughs> that it does present. Um, luckily, we have more than a few months. We do need to hit net zero in several years. Um, but I think we all need to, to, to understand that there are a lot of solutions that we have. Um, and that we can pursue, and that if we act in a positive way, there's space for hope. There's, we are never beyond hope. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay, first of all, we got to give her a hat tip. Like, 
she didn't know if it was real or not. And she was kind of like, okay, I can't sit here and advocate for eating babies. They will crucify me. But she was nodding throughout the whole time. Uh, she held herself well and she was really stressed out. I totally love the woman's accent. I think I've seen her before and I can't put my finger on it. I love it though. Because this is the insanity. They are the party of infanticide, of murder. And I saw uh, F-U-C-T up Mike uh, say <laughs> soon uh, Planned Parenthood will be an open buffet. And you know what's really weird? That this happens. And to me, it's like, whoa, you know. And I'm as I've said many times, very religious and very in tune, um, uh, spiritually, I would guess. I, 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 I always believe that there's a plan. I always believe in uh, innate goodness. But for yesterday, to be communicating with an agency in regards to, you know, child pornography that was derived out of me following up on a pop-up cannibal restaurant, like that's like for real, uh, you know, and... You know, I wasn't going to contact about the cannibal restaurant. I was still looking into it um, because it's like a pop-up thing. You know how people like do parties at their house like, oh, pop-up restaurant, pay $50 a head and you can come to my house and I'll feed you kind of thing. But this one is like with body donors, right? Um, so I was looking into that and it led me to the Standard Hotel and then led me to a photographer of the Standard Hotel. And then, you know, sometimes in my browser when I click on things, you know how you can find hidden links, how how they found like how um, Ilhan Omar's Instagram was being done by her brother, you know, the links that they have behind things, right? Well, I sometimes have that open on my Brave browser where it actually shows code. And it, and it was showing me a website behind it. And it was a ghost site that had child pornography. It had like children between the ages of two and eight posing promiscuously. And obviously I opened up those pages on my computer and I'm like, okay, I'm not, it wasn't that dirty, but you know, when you have a choke collar on a four-year-old spreading their legs with, you know, uh, underwear, um, looking innocent and terrified, uh, you know, that constitutes a pornography and they have them as if they were products like to buy. So that's where I reported that. And it all came from cannibalism and just the idea that, you know, cannibalism is coming back up into conversation at the same time that that occurred, you know, is kind of um, indicative. I, I, I love to, 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 to say this to all my friends, and I consider everyone that's listening, you know, someone that I would sit down and have coffee with and talk. Um, it is really important for us to see every hardship, every barrier, every timing of everything that happens to us as purposeful. And like it or not, all of us in some way, no matter how weird it may seem, right? If you come across something and you're like, what did I do to ever deserve it? You did something. And I have always and currently right now, I'm struggling with a lot of things, a lot of things. And I think to myself, I said it to myself, like, I, I don't deserve that. And it's like, well, you had to contribute in some way. And it doesn't mean because you deserve it as payback. It means that in order for you to advance to where you need to be, this has to happen. If you look at life like that all the time, you understand it. And it's science. It's through science 
that we develop. It is through external pressures that we have evolution. It was like when Darwin went to the island, he saw that the uh, long-beaked, you know, birds could not survive when the environment changed. And so only the ones with short beaks that could pick the seeds up off the ground survived, or those that had long beaks had to find a way to eat and survive because they had to. So again, Everything that we see here, these struggles we see as a nation, as a society, in your, you know, greater circle, in your closest orbit, in yourself. It's all about that battle of good and evil and any pressure you see or anything that shouldn't be there because you're like, I didn't deserve this. Remember, it came to you because of something you did always, but it's never there to cause you harm. It's to pressure you to be better. And so we are pushing them to be better. You know, this baby talk isn't something good, but it's pushing them to be better, pushing them to be more conscious and maybe have Alexandria say, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to go bartend. And now after the break, we'll talk about some kind of developments that are happening. Come on. It's Friday, man. It's popcorn Friday. I'll see you all in just a bit. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So this is the last half hour, so I'll give you a little bit of insight of what I am putting forward over the weekend. Uh, So later on today, I'll be putting up my follow-up article to the BCCI. I mean, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. You know, I told you that the BCCI is corrupt, uh, about the BCCI and how corrupt they are. And I also told you how uh, Amalgamated Bank is the new BCCI. Um, Now, that's... uh, one thing uh, that we're going to talk about in this half hour. Also, I just wanted to give you a heads up. I did talk about it yesterday, but I'm going to tell you about the deep state plant, uh, the ultimate weapon that was placed in November when they lost. And we talked about um, Stork yesterday. I introduced you to him. And this is more so to uh, introduce you to the intelligence community and understand uh, the gravity of such an appointment, an IG over the NSA, um, and what that means for us. Now, uh, the article that I'll be ta- um, uh, dropping uh, after the show, maybe like 30 minutes later, 40, because uh, the editor actually got to it, is, um, you know, tickling with the idea that the, our unions that, uh, you know, union back loan of $10 million by Amalgamated Bank may also be funding new and possibly violent protests. So I told you that on October 19th, there are violent protests um, that are being put forward. In addition to that, um, you know, Amalgamated Bank is the one that is funding these things. Uh, they got caught by the FDIC and they were investigated when they were found and proudly, loudly stating that they were funding the Occupy Wall Street uh, protest. So it's really important that we remember these things. Now, we all know that the DNC doesn't have money. And 
in this article, I'm not only telling you, you know, how when you buy Ben and Jerry's, they're funding anti-Israel stuff. Like, no kidding. Like, when I saw it, I was like, oh, my gosh. Or Maduro regime or Venezuela support or these weird cartoons where they're showing America with a sickle, blood all over the place, Iraq, Libya, Syria, Ukraine, and now Venezuela, that we're slaughtering them. They're funding things like the Sandinista troops. They funded them in Nicaragua. The, and this is what is not being understood, is that this larger umbrella nonprofit Alliance for Global Justice is literally using the money of our hardworking police, firemen, factory workers, nuclear energy workers, railroad workers, you name it, workers, teachers, unions, all that money, postal workers, steel workers are all being housed at Amalgamated Bank. They are leveraging all these things for all these causes. It is a house of cards, guys. This is their bank. We've talked about this. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that they fund everything of Democracy Alliance. And the CEO of the damn bank is a board member of Democracy Alliance. And on October 19th, New York and Los Angeles will be completely under siege by these protests that are said to be violent. Violent and why? Because we are awaiting the IG report, uh, FISA, you know, edition. And this is why they're getting ahead of it. And so it'll be a distraction. Who knows? Maybe they'll shoot up someplace. Maybe they'll cause so much destruction. Maybe they'll pose as Trump supporters and then we'll find their social media before big tech erases it. And find it. The, the organization that is pushing this is called Refuse Fascism. They're going to be taking over these two cities. And their whole goal is to overthrow. <laughs> that's what they say, to overthrow. Say no to Trump. Say no to Pence. They are so angry. There was a woman at one of those protests that I blew up that little section of the photo, which so annoyed me because everybody in the world should see that face. She was wearing a T-shirt saying, Make America Mexico again. And she was wearing that proudly. How dare she? She should be exiled from our nation and sent to Mexico just because she wore it. This deranged left is planning for a war. Democrats caused a civil war before. Not going to stop now. And it's going to be here in 15 days. It's coming. Lead monetary contributors are actually union dollars that fund this cause, these protests, anti-Israel groups, and George Soros, all of them working together, the Democratic Alliance working together. Obama for America is part of the Democratic Alliance, just so you know. This is well-organized, well-funded, and a bit scary. They're bringing weapons. These these are people hired simply for destruction. This was said to me by a former Antifa member, a person who actually was part of Rose City Antifa and woke up. I interviewed them for a piece that I did for uh, Polyquads on Antifa. Uh, he's no longer with Antifa. He actually provided a lot of information to the feds about Antifa. And like I said, keeping Antifa and allowing them to operate only helps us allow them to pull their own pants down. Kind of like, you know, what LaRouche did, that troll with eating babies. It was perfect. 
It just shows how deranged they are and how no one in that group stood up and said, are you crazy? What do you mean eat babies? Like, could you imagine if you were sitting in a room like I could, I go to these, you know, meetings where my um senator or congressperson may turn up, right? And if I heard someone stand up, I don't care how deranged I am, how pro my body, my choice thing I was, and someone stands up and says, let's eat babies, I wouldn't just be looking and nodding or just looking. I'd be up there saying, dude, she's crazy. Tell her to shut up. Nobody should be eating babies. But no one did. Because that's just how insane they are. Or... That's just how paid actors act because there's no way people went to listen to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Let's be honest. She's got nothing to say. As the House Democrats are imploding right now, having walked, walking right into this Ukraine deal, having been called to the carpet, tell us, do the vote and let's work. Do the vote. It is Almost, you know, you with you can't even just like be like, oh, I don't know. Something insane has to be orchestrated to divert this attention. This FISA IG report is supposed to be released on the day before or the day of the event, which won't be on a Saturday. So I'm assuming it'll probably be the Thursday. We don't want to drop it Friday because it gets buried, right? The Thursday. So that would be the 16th. Oh, wait, no, that would be the. 17th of October, or it would be the 21st. So they need a distraction because they needed it at that time to make sure that there's wall-to-wall coverage of racist uh, right-wing people, you know, (laughs) supposedly attacking these peaceful ones. We have to be very vigilant. But the thing is, Department of Homeland Security already knows. And here's the deal, though. Credit lines within Amalgamated Bank are left in red forever. This is how they were caught by the FDIC in 2011. This is how the BCCI was brought down. They were investigated. They had signs on their front of the bank saying, Amalgamated Bank supports the UFT and the Occupy Wall Street movement. And they actually had bank accounts funding, uh, you know, that movement, you know, Hopefully the Senate Banking Committee will start an investigation into Amalgamated Bank's um, financial transaction and kind of check the health of your union dues, your union pension funds. You know, the bottom line, guys, is that if this protest happens the way it is predicted to happen from what our current sources are telling us with weapons and mass attacks, I would anticipate nothing less than martial law to be imposed, which would suck. And I write this just the way I'm telling you. I am going to read it to you verbatim from my article, not because of curfew or the fact that our troops are keeping us safe, but because the arrests and indictments that are to be announced as a result of the IG FISA report will be done so in the shadows and will most likely miss the perp walk and the egg face responses. Because this will be dominating it. This will allow the remaining clowns to spin the narrative. Oh, is Trump martial law to round up his political rivals rather than the truth? You know, didn't I tell you guys that when Trump was going to say, um, you know, that, uh, you know, China maybe should look into, um, you know, what they gave Biden, that that's going to be the narrative now that he's asking China to you know, metal, take a listen. 
Welcome to Thursday. It's Meet the Press Daily. Good evening. I'm Chuck Todd here in Washington. I don't say this lightly, but let's be frank. A national nightmare is upon us. The basic rules of our democracy are under attack from the president. We begin tonight with a series of admissions by the president that all but assures his impeachment in the House of Representatives. It's a moment of truth for Republicans, and they've been largely silent on what we've seen from the president. Today, he publicly called on two foreign governments to interfere in the presidential election by investigating his chief 2020 political rival. What exactly did you hope Zelensky would do about the Bidens after your phone call? Exactly. Well, I would think that if they were honest about it, they'd start a major investigation into the Bidens. It's a very simple answer. Uh, they should investigate the Bidens, because how does a company that's newly formed and all these companies, if you look at, and by the way, likewise, China should start an investigation into the Bidens, because what happened in China is just about as bad as what happened with uh, with Ukraine. So I would say that President Zelensky, if it were me, I would recommend that they start an investigation into the Bidens, because nobody has any doubt that they weren't crooked. That was a crooked deal, 100%. So what you just heard is a public admission of the allegations at the heart of the House's impeachment inquiry and at the heart of the whistleblower's complaint that the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump, is using the power of his office to solicit foreign interference in the 2020 election. Oh, my gosh. You would think I was a time traveler and knew exactly what they were going to say. While doing it, relying on a debunked conspiracy theory or two. By the way, this is not hearsay. This is not a leak. This is not a whistleblower complaint. It's not a memorandum of a phone conversation. You heard the president himself do it on the White House lawn. This moment should arguably be a national emergency. The founding fathers would have considered it a national emergency if the president publicly lobbied oh, wow. multiple foreign Milk governments gets. to interfere in the next ele election. And yet there has been virtually no condemnation from the president's party at all on this remark, which is remarkable considering the precedent it would set and the lasting damage it would do to our democracy. Lasting damage it would do to your democracy. Didn't I tell you they were going to say that? Because that is all they have is lies. Of course I would tell China, hey, yo, you maybe want to investigate it because that's $1.5 that came out of your communist pocket, and you supposedly check for every UN. You, like, tally every UN, right? Don't you, President Xi? So why did you allow someone to go above your head and pay Biden unless you contributed unless you still don't know who did it. Maybe you need to fire them because they're not working in the interests of China. And that is that because here's where president Xi is like, Oh no. If Donald Trump actually finds out and he says, look, Donald, I know you for a while. We worked together. We've had meetings before I was, before you were president with your businesses, talked about Macau. We know all this stuff. We've been friends and they are, and we can talk and we do, and we're transparent and that's okay. And you're okay with me being a communist. And I like that because you respect me. So I either got to be honest and tell you, you know what? Um, I kind of gave him the money because I wanted to make sure that 
our deal stayed in place. You know, that would be great. Tell the president what you did and maybe go on the record because then this will also assist us in removing corruption. We have agreements of mutual understanding, mutual defense, same kind of treaty we got with the Ukraine. You know, we got one with China for extradition, blah, 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 blah. Obviously they're communists, but you know, there's an understanding there. So why wouldn't Chuck Todd want us to know, you know, if our seat, our vice presidential seat, our former administration sold our nation to China for 1.5 billion via the sun? Why wouldn't he want to know that? I would want to know that. If, if Don Jr. did that, I'd freaking want to know that. I'd be like, who do you think you are? You can't sell my country. I'm a shareholder. I run this country, not you. You're elected to be my voice because there's so many of us. So why don't they want us to know? Why are they flipping it like it's no big deal? The more they flip it, the more corrupt they look. And I told you they would. Kind of like they're going to flip this protest. I'm really hoping any of you independent citizen journalists that live in L.A. and live in New York can be there and be our eyes, be the people's eyes, and pay attention to what they're orchestrating right now under our noses for these protests. They are going to be violent. They are going to be bad. And they're going to be deranged because, see, they're going to have the organizers, the people that are, you know, instructing people, and then the insane people, you know, the ones that are very confused about who they are and what they stand for. Ones that believe that we should make Mexico, America, Mexico again. They're going to be there. The dildo waivers. The ones that think that freedom is expressed in confetti and twerking in the middle of the road because that's says nothing. I mean, that's the way you express freedom by twerking with confetti and booty shorts in the middle of the street. Those people are going to be there. And those people are what? Influenced. See, the one thing about the ability to think, cognitive degree of ability to think, uh, it actually um, demonstrates how influenced you are by other people's opinions, right? And this is what we're seeing now. We see that there's people orchestrating these protests that are the masterminds. Then they appoint other people that are smart and know exactly what they're doing. And then they associate with people that are just too dumb to make decisions on their own, you know, kind of pushing them and inching them towards, you know, to do whatever they want. Those are people, and I'm sorry, they are stupid. And there's tons of people on this planet that are that dumb, that don't have any identity, that listen to other people, that are influenced. And, and, and that is what this whole experiment is like. This is why the mainstream media has been effective up until now, because there's a lot of those people. A lot of those people that are just plain out stupid. And, you know, we can sit here and laugh about it, but it's actually kind of sad because those people had the same potential you and I had to be able to be smart, successful, think, do things, you know, prosper, fail, whatever it is. They came out of their mommy's womb with the same potential we all have But, you know, when you have parents that probably don't raise you the right way, your values are diminished. And so these people that we see on the street waving their dildos or just not caring, you know, and having their priorities so skewed, 
is down to the way they were raised. And, you know, a lot of people don't like to hear that, you know, and, and keep in mind, that doesn't mean that everyone that's born in the ghetto is going to be stupid because at some point when you uh, become old enough, you have a choice. You have a choice to be the way they've raised you to be, be your environment or want to be better. Want to have, you know, uh, a job, want to have an education, want to have a family, want to have the white picket fence, want to have the ability to have a say in your country, to want to have all those things, you're going to have to want it yourself. No one can spoon feed it to you. And, you know, look at most of these people on the street. You, you remember that video that was going viral where it was showing these, uh, 50 year old people playing video games on their phone and they're like, yeah, F Trump. He's horrible. And you know, they were all playing video games <laughs> and it's like, dude, guys, you know, I love my video games. I've said it so many times, but it's like, they're massively controlled. They have no idea of what's important in their life. You know, they may be at their job or whatever, and they, 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 they pay their bills, but when it comes down to it, they don't know what's their priority. Do, what are you working for? Just yourself? Like, you know, don't you want to leave a legacy behind? Don't you want to see grandkids? I mean, not everybody wants kids. That's fine. But don't you want to see that, you know, when you leave this planet, you did something, you left something behind, either that be uh, a piece of concrete on the floor or a street you laid out or a child you had that found the cure to cancer or a child you had that, you know, freed people from whatever oppressed country or, you know, this is the bottom line, you guys, that the mainstream media, this propaganda machine has taken over the minds of people and they've done so with idiot propaganda, like through video games, through movies. I mean, come on. Have you seen the TV shows? All of them. They're fruity. They're putting priorities like, yeah, you know, this is fine. I and mean, we remember in the 60s when there was a boost in divorce. What happened then? They had TV shows where people were getting divorced. So people think that's okay. You know, make babies and decide, hey, I want to be a gigolo. And then, you know, they don't show the depressing side, right, guys? Uh, just like uh, one listener a couple weeks ago I sent, you know, was like, you know, I've made that error and I didn't like it, right? And I get it because no one shows you the downside ever. People think, well, you know, that was a downside for them. It's not going to be for me. It's kind of like, oh, socialism didn't work before, but it's going to work now because we're doing it. And it's like, if it hasn't been a happy ending for everybody, what makes you think you're smarter than everybody else that is going to be a happy ending now? And this is where it's down to it. And we understand that now because our eyes are open and we can see this. We can see now that this orchestrated, orchestrated protest is being done by idiots that have no self, self-worth, no ability to make their own decisions on behalf of their future, on behalf of actually what matters, and just do They're like, hey, it's a paycheck. What do I care? They're paying me $50 to stand there with a stupid sign. Or they're paying me to beat up people that I don't like. I'm going to beat up people that are smarter than me. I'm going to beat up people that um, have a better life than me. And they're going to pay me while I do it. So I'm going to do it because the world owes me everything and your wealth should be redistributed to me. (laughs) I can't believe I'm saying that with a straight face. I'm sorry. I broke it. 
we need to be more able to see these things coming. This protest has been organized for months now. They have been dropping serious coin into it. I mean, it's funded by the Global Alliance that houses all these crazy and insane groups. I mean, we're talking like super crazy groups, okay? We're talking like, um, you know, Palestinian terrorist groups and everything. And you know what's funny? I just wanted to say, I found a, a, a petition when I was uh, researching into this. I found a petition for out of the state of Texas because apparently the Texas legislator is using Texas taxpayer dollars to collect union dues. Are you listening to this? Union dues that pay for all Democrat campaign activities that fund protests and line their pockets. Why is a red state like Texas using taxpayer money to collect union dues? Union dues are a scam to have their hand in every blue collar worker's pocket. Do you pay union dues? Do you have a union pension? If I, if you do, I'd start asking questions because this scam with amalgamated bank, I found an email on WikiLeaks about an article that was going to be published by Volker, who now works for the Times from Politico. He was working for Politico at the time and it found exactly what I said the Clintons had done. There was a victory fund that transferred $3.8 million into like state parties. Like it would give $3.8 million to like North Carolina, but almost all of the cash, 3.3 million. So 88% of it was quickly transferred to the DNC within a day by Clinton Saffer, who runs the committee. And they reached out to amalgamated bank. And they quote, Amalgamated Bank, the union-run bank that handles the account for the Victory Fund, as well as Clinton's campaign, did not directly address the complaints about money being transferred without consent of the state party committees. Hillary Clinton was funding money into, like, the state of North Carolina and then taking it back into her bank account. She was laundering money through campaign. This was known. Why do we not have this investigated? Not only that, this guy was crucified for even talking about it. This email was sent to Hillary by the reporter to check it, you know, and see if um, it's something that, you know, she can get ahead of because this is fraud. So this all happened. It says, and I quote, Vogel gave me his story ahead of time before it goes to his editors. As long as I didn't share it, let me know if you see anything missing. I'll push back. And that's from the National Press Secretary, Deputy Communications Director of the DNC, Mark Poschenbach, right? And this is from 2016, April. And Kevin, Ken, Ken Vogel was the one that wrote this article and it starts in the days before Hillary Clinton launched launched an unprecedented big money fundraising vehicle with state parties last summer. She vowed to rebuild their party. Guess what? She then blamed Bernie Sanders. I kid you not. She literally said that this complaint is coming from Bernie Sanders, which we now know she stole the election from. So Corruption is so far and deep, such a big black hole. But man, do those cockroaches go scattering the minute you turn on the light. Right, guys? I am just really excited. Now, all of this will be coming up this weekend. I will be posting uh, this article that I just talked about. 
the next one about the intelligence community. And next week is going to be a lot of fun. Let's see what Pelosi says about this um, impeachment vote. It'll be interesting to see. On that note, I wish you guys a great weekend. I appreciate each and every one of my listeners. Thanks for listening, and God bless from all of us here at Red State Talk Radio.